Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Well, tomorrow is election day for many here in the United States. In some states, it's more like election week, though. For example, here in the Northwest, uh, where uh, we have mail-in ballots only, not only have we had our ballots for a couple of weeks now, but the ballot counting will linger on for days after Tuesday's deadline has come and gone. I often get people this time of the year that will ask me who and what they should vote for. Many times these individuals see value in voting, but because of the their busyness of life and, and other reasons, they, they've not been able to fully understand the candidates and the measures on their ballot. They put trust in me that I have done that. And so and so their their question is to me, who should I vote for or you know, what measure should I vote for against? But some have not even gotten to that point. They are not convinced that Christians should play a role in politics at all, and and that includes voting. So do Christians have an obligation to vote? Well, from Jeffrey Myers, PhD, he he wrote this, and, and this is an excerpt just from his book, Vital Truth, Christian Citizenship. And he says this, he says, I once heard of a of a church where members thought it was against God's will to vote, concerned that a corrupt politician would win uh, a local election. Church members gathered for an all-night prayer vigil. In the morning, however, they refused to vote, and the good candidate lost. By fewer than the number of votes represented by those at the prayer meeting. It seems tragic, but maybe those church members did the right thing. After all, isn't politics a dirty business? I mean, Christians are citizens of heaven, not of earth, right? Well, every Christian must grapple with this question and come up with a defensible answer. So one of the things we want to look at is there is a, there is a high cost of indifference. In order to answer this question, we have to look, number one, at that high cost. I have heard several people complain about what is happening in this country. They complain about inflation. They complain about abortion. They complain about a general, you know, just deterioration of our society. Oftentimes, I state the facts of how many Christians not only they, they they don't even register to vote, let alone actually vote after they're registered. And and I'll add that in in my opinion, if you don't vote, you give up the right to complain. Now, how is it okay to complain about what is happening all around you when you have not used your say in changing any of that? So. So to simply complain but not vote seems a little bit twisted to me. There are at least five good reasons why Christians should vote. Number one, 
God has granted us authority. All authority belongs to God, but he has put human beings on the earth as caretakers. What is our task? Well, according to Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we are to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey God in every area of life. This includes politics. We must disciple people to make godly decisions about government and promote the efforts of those who are already doing so. Number two, we need to stand against evil. St. Augustine said, those who are citizens of God's kingdom are best equipped to be citizens of the kingdom of man. The alternative is unthinkable. In the 20th century, uh, atheistic and, and secular humanistic leaders gained control of nations all across Europe and, and Asia and Africa, really, f- for that matter. What was the result of that? Well, according to historian R.J. Rummel, almost 170 million men and women and children have been brutally murdered by these governments, all in the name of of human progress. These facts led historian John Howell to note this, quote, only through a return to faith in God, as God revealed himself to man in Jesus Christ, can modern man and his society find redemption from the tyranny of evil. All right, let's move on to number three. Christian values contribute positively to society. The Bible solution and the Bible solutions makes sense. It, it, is, it is Christian involvement in government through the ages that, that has, well, has given us hospitals, has given us civil liberties, abolition of slavery, modern science, the, the, the elevation of women, regard for human life even, great works of art and literature, a a workable system of justice, education for even the the most common of people, the free enterprise system, and, and much, much more. I could go on and on. When we see the good that results from applying God's principles and the and the horror that results from rejecting them, doesn't it seem seem cruel to to and and really irresponsible to keep Jesus teachings about truth, love and compassion to ourselves. At the very least, we should vote to keep out of office those who attempt to oppose God's authority. And number 4, obedience to authority demands good citizenship. Here in America, the people are the leaders. Here, at least, we express our obligation to God and our obedience to God by the the exercise of our rights and the privileges as citizens. And what's that mean? That means in the that we need to vote. It means voting. Number five, God and good citizenship sets an example for generations to come. Those who who apply God's principles to government, pave the way for generations of blessings. In, in, in 1768, a Christian minister named John Witherspoon, you may have heard of him, became president of the College of New Jersey, which is now Princeton. 
While, while there, he, he taught biblical principles of government to his students. Of the 478 young men who were graduated during his tenure, here's what John Eidsmo said about them. Quote, 114 became ministers. 13 were state governors. Three were U.S. Supreme Court justices. 20 were U.S. senators. 33 U.S. congressmen. Aaron Burr became vice president, and James Madison became president. As a Christian, Witherspoon exerted an enormous influence on the direction of American government. So so you might be saying that, that, okay, you're convinced that as Christians, we have a responsibility to at least be an informed voter. But there are often a lot of ballot measures and, and candidates, some from you know small local races and things that you don't even know what they actually do if they are if they are elected, and, and and you don't know where all these candidates and things stand on issues. So how should Christians vote? Well, Kevin McConaughey uh, he he actually wrote a, a piece. Um, and, and where he said voting is an important opportunity and privilege that we as citizens of the United States have. The, the, the type of leaders we vote for has a big impact on whether people thrive or suffer, which, of course, we can see in Proverbs 28, 12 and, and 29, 2. We are called to pray for leaders that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Of course, that's 1 Timothy 2. Because there is often no peace and quiet when leadership fails. Because voting is important and you want to make good decisions at the ballot box. You want to know which candidates or policies that that you are are voting for and, and why those are the best options. It shouldn't be a split second decision based on simple name recognition. You know, you, you saw all of, of this particular candidate's signs along the roads or, or party affiliation. To help you vote wisely, here are some guidelines for how to think through choices that you have this election season. First, vote based on truth. Yeah, based on truth. As as Christians, we should vote based on truth the, the truth of God's word and and what it has to say about the issues of today. Now, if you're not sure what it has to say on an issue, I mean a, a, a topical search tool like the one at openbible.info can can be helpful along with knowing how to read your Bible and, and understand the context and, and apply it correctly. And of course, listening to this podcast. I mean, we, we do this podcast three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for half an hour each time. And, and, and that'll go a long ways toward understanding, you know, some of the, the things that we need to know when we go to, to vote. You also need to vote based on truth about the candidates and, and the the propositions that we're, we're voting for on, on the ballot. That, that means being informed and understanding who or what you are voting for. It also means cutting through disinformation. 
like it's talked about in Proverbs 14, 15, or, or, or biased information from only one party's platform, Proverbs 18, 17. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in a second. Now, this will require some work. You may need to listen to a variety of reputable news sources to balance out the, the inherent biases or, or you know, consult independent voters' guides to, to see what platform each candidate is really running on. But acquire the knowledge that you need to make an intelligent and wise decision. I mean, that's Proverbs 18.15 right there. A good place to start, I would say, is like, for instance, iVoterGuide.com. iVoterGuide.com. That's a good place to start. Uh, You can also go to your local party's website to get more information. Um, And you can also, you know, everybody has a political uh, committee officer that you can also ask questions of. So there's lots and lots of ways to get good information, and it doesn't take a lot of time. Now, we need to vote for the common good. And I say this with, with, with a caveat here. Voting can be a way to love your neighbors, Galatians 5.14. If you, if you vote for people or policies that will promote the common welfare, well, in, in, in some cases, that might mean voting against some of your own personal interests. If voting that way is in the best interests of everyone else, like is talked about in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. As an example, it's possible that a certain tax or economic plan might cost you financially, but be better for the majority of people people as a whole. A, a good example. Let me give, let me give you a, a more specific example of this. And that would be the issue of loan forgiveness. So there are many people that obviously have a lot of student loan. And there's a, a particular politicians that are saying, hey, we need to just wipe those away and forgive all of that just but, but with, with taxpayer money. Now, it, it might benefit you personally because you might have some student loan debt, but in the long run, it would hurt so many other people and that, that, that don't have that, that don't have that, 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 those loans to forgive. Ultimately, seeking the welfare of the city, the state, or the country that, that you live in benefits everyone, including yourself. And how about vote with discernment? Even if you have the right information and and motivations, you will still have to make tough decisions. That's because no candidate is perfect. And and many political issues do not have clear-cut right and wrong answers. For example, the Bible is very clear that we are called to help the poor. Deuteronomy 15.11, 1 John 3.17, and so on. But there are many different ways to do that. Well-meaning believers who love the poor can have different convictions about which policies or um, positions are most most helpful. They can disagree and, and vote differently, even if their hearts are in the same place. Also, not every issue has to carry the same weight. Some issues might have clear biblical mandates or have bigger impact on the common good, and you have to decide how to weigh the importance of each factor. It's possible, for instance, that you might disagree 
with one candidate or 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 a bunch of of you know on, on a bunch of small issues but be con- convinced that that his or her biblical positions on just a few important topics makes the candidate the best available option or the reverse <laughs> could be true i mean a candidate might be wrong on one really important topic but be right on so many other smaller issues that outweigh that one negative one. It's it's up to you to use your powers of discernment, Hebrews 15, 14, as I said, to weigh such things and determine how to vote. Pray for wisdom, James 1, 5, and, and listen to what God might have to say to you through his word, his people, and, and the Holy Spirit, really. This... Discussing such questions in in community can be a helpful way to sharpen one another when it comes particularly to voting even. You you don't necessarily have to agree. Uh, The goal is for each person, after careful consideration, to be convinced of how they can honor the Lord through their votes. Romans 14, 1 through 12. And, and, And what we shouldn't do is not vote because those that are running don't align them align themselves with us completely. I see a lot of that. Well, you know, I, I don't I don't see the perfect candidate. I'm not going to vote for any of them. And 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 there is always one candidate that is better than another. So let's vote for that one. By not voting, you are really voting for the one least to share your values. This can also apply often. Uh, when when there is a third party candidate that that you know really doesn't have any chance of winning but you align yourself with them you know better and so you vote for them and it allows the one that wasn't very good at all to win in everything we are to be transformed by Christ to love like Christ not conforming to this world but renewing our minds so that we may discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Romans 12, 2. The, the, the way we vote and the way we engage with, with each other about voting issues should look different because of, of our relationship with Christ. The, the last thing that we can do is look at what the political party of the candidate is and see what they stand for. We as Christians are not called to a particular party, but parties do have platforms that tell us wh- where most of the candidates stand on, th- on, on many issues. We can look at these platforms and see how they align with biblical values. You can, you can go to, to uh, FRC Action, which is a part of Family Research Council, and you can see the party platforms. Let's, for example, sanctity of human life. Now, I think as Christians, we can agree that that is a very important one, the sanctity of human life. So the Republican Party says this about that. They said, proud to be the party that protects human life and offers real solutions for women and strongly opposes infanticide, including specific support for the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, a human life con- a constitutional amendment, a ban on abortion, 
at 20 weeks when unborn babies can feel pain. A ban on abortion based on on sex or desirability, a, a, a ban on on um, dismemberment abortion in which the unborn babies are literally torn apart limb by limb, abortion clinic safety regulations, a, a ban on, on human cloning, and, and creating uh, or experimenting on human embryos, including three parent embryos, a ban on, on any sale of body parts, a ban on the use of public funds to perform or promote abortion or to fund organizations like, like Planned Parenthood. So what does the Democratic Party say? Well, it supports repealing the Hyde Amendment to allow the government to fund abortion, supports codifying the, the, the right to abortion. Democrats believe every woman should be able to access reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortions. Oppose and will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to reproductive health uh, and rights. Opposes current FDA safety restrictions on chemical abortion pills. Supports repealing President Trump's uh, changes to the Title uh, 10 program that that separated um, uh, that, that separate abortion and federal family planning grants. So, so there's a big difference between the two parties. Let's look at another one. Redefining marriage. Republicans. The American family is the foundation of civil society. And the cornerstone of the family is natural ma- marriage. The union of one man and one woman. Condemns the Supreme Court's ruling of Oberfeld versus Hodges and urges its reversal. So what's the Democrat side say? Well, their platform is silent on marriage and family being the foundation of society. How about LGBT agenda and transgender bathrooms and and women's sports and schools? Well, the Republican Party and their platform says we embrace the the principle that all Americans should be treated with dignity and respect. We support measures barring government discrimination because of one's views on marriage and family, supports the rights of parents to determine the proper medical treatment and therapy for their minor children, opposes Title IX being used to impose a social and cultural revolution upon the American people by wrongly defining sex discrimination to include sexual orientation or other categories, opposes reshaping our schools and our society to fit the mold of the ideology alien to America's history and traditions, and opposes President Obama's Title IX transgender bathroom edict. Democrats, we will fight to enact the Equality Act, a bill that would alter our entire federal civil rights framework, gut religious liberty, and advance abortion. Supports insurance coverage of gender transition, including surgery and hormone therapy. We will ensure that all transgender and non-binary people can procure official government identification Documents that accurately reflect their gender identity. Supports banning practices aimed at assisting parents with unwanted same-sex attraction 
or gender dysphoria. We will work to guarantee transgender students access to facilities based on their gender identity. We will protect the rights of transgender students. We will fight to enact the Equality Act, a bill that would allow biological men to play in women's sports if they identify as a transgender woman. Okay, not enough. Abortion and LGBT agenda internationally opposes the federal government funding of abortion overseas is the Republican uh, stance on that. And what is the the stance of the uh, Democrats? Well, we believe access to reproductive care and abortion services are vital to the empowerment of women and girls everywhere. So, yes, they they support the taxpayer money going overseas or over into other countries to help support abortion. How about religious liberty? We strongly support the Freedom of Americans Act uh, to act in accordance with their religious beliefs, the Republicans say, not only in their houses of worship, but also in their everyday lives. Ongoing attempts to compel individuals, businesses, and institutions of faith to transgress their beliefs are part of a misguided effort to undermine religion and, and drive it from the public square. We value the right of America's religious leaders to preach and Americans to speak freely according to their faith. The government is constitutionally prohibited from policing or censoring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs. Democrats, well, they say they, they celebrate the paramount importance of maintaining the separation of church and state rejects broad religious exemptions for businesses and medical providers, social services agencies, and others. We will fight to enact that Equality Act again, a bill that would remove religious liberty protections and even force churches to violate the tenets of their faith. Religious freedoms and freedom is a core American value, and so they they but they see that as obviously a, a little different than than uh, than the other side. Now, how about God in government? That, that, that would be one that we'd want to look at here, right? If, God, if God-given natural in, inalienable rights come in conflict with government, court, or human-granted rights, God-given natural and inalienable rights always prevail. That is the Republican side of things. We support the public display of the Ten Commandments as a reflection of our history and our country's Judeo-Christian heritage. The entire platform mentions God 15 times. What, are the, what is the Democrat? Well, the Democrats' platform is silent on the role of God in government, and they mention God once. The courts, the Republicans say that we support uh, an appointment of judges who respect traditional uh, family uh, values and, and the sanctity of, of, the, of the human life, the innocent human life. Democrats, well, of course, we support U.S. Uh, Supreme Court justices and federal justices who will respect and enforce foundational um, uh, precedents, including Roe versus Wade. How about sex education? Well, the Republican side says supports sexual risk avoidance education that sets uh, abstinence until marriage as the responsible and the respected standard of behavior. The Democrats, well, of course, they support LGBTQ plus incentives. Uh, in, 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 including uh, sex education, 
uh, with a full range of family planning services. We could look at educational choice um, and, 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 and know that, that obviously the Republicans come down on, on the better side of that when it comes to uh, the Christian biblical uh, view. So, uh, social experimentation in the military, obviously the Republicans do not like that. The Democrats do. I mean, it says right here, it says, we reject the use of military as a platform for social experimentation and will not accept attempt to undermine military priorities and mission readiness. Support the religious freedom of all military members, especially chaplains, and will not tolerate attempts to ban Bibles or religious symbols from the military facilities and oppose the selective service registration of women for a possible future draft. What does the Democratic platform say? It says, quote, we will reverse the Trump administration's ban, the DOD policy on gender dysphoric individuals serving in the military, and silence on service members' religious liberty rights, and calls for VA medical benefits to include abortion and gender transition services. So you can see, I mean, we could go on and on and on and look at the different parties' platforms. And just based on their platforms, it seems like one party should get more of your votes than the other. So again, God does not call us to one particular party, but we can see how those parties align with biblical principles. And we can say, you know what? The candidates for this party definitely seem like they align a lot more than this other party over here. That's just, that, that's just where they're aligning. And so it's something to think about as we vote. All right. You may agree with this. You may completely disagree. You may say, you know what? Christians should not be voting at all. Would definitely love to hear your arguments on that. Would would definitely love to hear that as you go to uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 